Hello, good morning, Dr. Caleb McLaughlin here again, and welcome to another episode of my endocrinology podcast. Today, I would like to touch on a very important topic, and that is polycystic ovarian syndrome, or as many may want to call it, PCOS, or some may refer to it as hormone imbalance. I only see it fit to start off this month's podcast with PCOS since from today, the 1st of September until the 30th is known or is actually dedicated to PCOS awareness or as many may want to say also PCOS awareness month. Secondly, one may want to ask themselves what exactly is PCOS? PCOS is defined and diagnosed by a combination of signs and symptoms of androgen excess, ovarian dysfunction, and polycystic ovarian morphology on ultrasound. A very important statistical data that I would like to share with you that was published in the year 2013 by the British Journal of Diabetes and Vascular Disease is that at least 70% of women with PCOS remain undiagnosed in the primary healthcare setting. And that figure is quite alarming. Over a number of years, we have been trying to come up with a wholesome or a generalized criteria to diagnose PCOS. This started since in the 1990s, firstly, by the National Institutes of Health, followed in 2003 by the European Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology and the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. These two criteria, criteria, sorry, in 2003 is also known as the Rotterdam criteria. And thirdly, in 2006, the Androgen Excess and PCOS Society also tried to come up with a criteria. But finally, in the year 2012, the National Institutes of Health endorsed, that's the one that came out in 1990, endorsed the criteria that the European Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology and the American Society of Reproductive Medicine may have um, delivered, that is, the Rotterdam, the Rotterdam sorry, criteria for PCOS in 2003. Hence, from 2012, worldwide, or most of the countries in the world, started to endorse, more or less, the Rotterdam criteria for PCOS. Now, all of these criteria, one must understand that they have at the end of them that before you can apply any of the criterion, you must exclude any condition, any medical condition that may mimics PCOS. These medical conditions include hyperprolactinemia, or as one may want in, in simpler terms, an increase of prolactin in the blood non-classic congenital adrenal hyperplasia, and Cushing's disease. Others may include 
gigantism and also acromegalia. But just to keep it simple, not to confuse you too much, let us just focus on hyperprolactinemia, then classic congenital adrenal hyperplasia, and Cushing's disease. Now, in all of these criterias, what they mainly encompasses were um, hyperandrinism, ovarian dysfunction, and polycystic ovarian morphology. Now, the presence of two or more of these criterias were sufficient to diagnose someone with polycystic ovarian syndrome. The next thing that I would like to talk about as relates to PCOS are what are the signs of PCOS? PCOS has dermatological features, PCOS has menstrual features, and the polycystic ovaries. Also, I will talk about a few other signs and symptoms related to that. But first, let us go back and deal or try to see exactly what are some of the dermatological features of PCOS or what are some of the features or signs and symptoms we can see on the skin of someone who may or may not be affected with PCOS. You need to understand that these signs or symptoms are not pathognomonic or they are not um, 100% diagnostic of PCOS because you can find them in other diseases or other syndromes. So starting first with the most common of all, which is orchitism or excess hair growth. These excess hair growth in women, you'll find them mainly in areas where you find normally hair, grow, hair growth Sorry, in men. That can be a moustache, that can be beard, that can be the presence of hair around your breast nipples, that can be the excess, um, excess hair on your chest, excess hair on your back, etc. You can also find male pattern balling. You know, some men, some some all of all the men, they you may find um, balding starting from the front of their head or some at the back. You can also find that in women, which is also a sign of excess androgen. Acne, I don't have to explain that. Acne is also a sign of um, a dermatological sign also of PCOS. Um, skin discoloration, which is acanthosis nigritin, which is basically what we in the Caribbean, Guyanese, and even a lot of people in the States with the Caribbean background, they would call, say, man, why don't go and brush the back of your neck because there's also a, tis, a thick, scaly, massy appearance at the back or the side of the neck, a velvety-looking kind of skin appearance. That is what we call acanthosis nigricans. Also, oily skin. But oily skin is less frequent. Menstrual disorders. That's, that's the other very important sign that many women will, may not see their menstrual cycle for three months or more. Some literature speaks of, speaks of six months. All right. You can also find oligomenorrhea, which is actually delayed of 35 or more days of your menstrual cycle. Or some women may ex experience also heavy bleeding. So these are all signs that we may see. It's very important to note when we talk about menstrual disorders or menstrual dis uh, uh, disturbance in women with PCOS that 
once you have once you see a woman with irregular menstrual period they have a 91% chance of having PCOS so it's not it's not 100% that you have PCOS if you have any menstrual disorder but you have a high probability that PCOS is the cause of that PCOS also is the cause of women suffering from infertility it's very important that to note that persons with PCOS are 15 times more likely to report infertility than a normal woman now the polycystic ovaries again many patients come to me wrongly diagnosed with PCOS come to me with just an ultrasound doc doctors say i got PCOS and on the ultrasound all you see is basically one cyst now the term poly alone speaks of multiple cysts that is one someone may not have it's very important to note this may not have cysts on the ovaries and they still have the syndrome all right i need to make that clear so it's very important when we are diagnosing these patients that we see multiple cysts some literature speaks of 12 or more cysts some speak of 25 or more cysts that are 2 mm to 10 mm in terms of diameter also some speak of increase of the volume of a person's ovary of more than 10 ml so all of these are very important when we're speaking about signs and symptoms of PCOS i need to mention a few more other than the dermatological um the dermatological sign the menstrual disturbance and the ovaries i would like to talk about uh the metabolic aspect of it how it affects your metabolism many patients come to me asking doc is pcos directly the cause of me gaining weight or is the gaining weight the cause of pcos and that is a very important question Now, I can go into details, but everything is leading so far pointing towards the possibility of PCOS. PCOS actually causing insulin resistance, and insulin resistance actually can actually provoke some degree of obesity. But this is not clear as yet. The hypothesis is still to be proven. Now, other thing that you can find in these patients are hypertension, as it leads to metabolic dis- disorders hypertension as i mentioned insulin resistance and if not treated in time type 2 diabetes in the reproductive realm we can find things like i mentioned before 15 times more probability of infertility preeclampsia and miscarriages in women if they do get pregnant as it leads to sleep we can find insomnia in these women psychological realm the psychological realm in these women is very important to mention that anxiety and depression now another important question that many patients may want to ask is whether or not well their physician or they may uh, ask anyone with medical knowledge if pcos actually provokes depression and my response always goes down this road that pcos does not directly cause depression the signs and symptoms of pcos 
may have a psychological effect on, on an individual, especially if they have excess body weight, if they're suffering from infertility problems, excess heel growth, etc. So it's not directly that PCOS is causing it. Well, on, up to today, the information that is available, there's no link that PCOS directly causes depression. If you speak to someone with PCOS, you will always get some hint of some degree of depression in that person. That's one of the reasons why I always recommend to my patients to keep in contact with me. Let us fight this together. Let us deal with this together. Whenever you have doubts, you call me. I also do interconsult with a psychologist when, when necessary and also cardiovascular, whatever is needed. I always try to do interconsultation with other departments to make sure that my patients get get the best attention possible. Internationally, there are data suggesting that 5 to 26% of women worldwide suffer from PCOS. This data was actually accumulated in places like Australia, China, Denmark, Greece, India, the Netherlands, United Kingdom, and also the United States of America. All right, all of these areas did research as it relates to this, and they found many very important data. Now, PCOS in white women, they have found, are relatively mild in comparison to PCOS in black women. And this was a very important feature that we found, a very important distinction, that black women are affected more severely with with, um, PCOS in terms of clinical manifestation when compared to white women. Now, another thing very important, not a very important distinction, is that metabolic um, features and high body mass index is more prevalent in Africans or black Americans in comparison white. Why is it important? Why is it important to know about this chronic disease, which is PCOS? Why is it? Why, why, why? Many may just look at the infertility aspect, the the frequency of infertility that, that it causes, the metabolic syndrome as it relates to hypertension, cholesterol elevation, triglycerides, um, diabetes, obesity. Some look at the excess um, hair growth that society tends to um, have a problem with, but something that many persons do not take into consideration that may affect them down the line if they do not seek treatment for PCOS is endometrial hyperplasia that may lead to endometrial cancer, especially in postmenopausal women. But Again, we're still learning a lot about PCOS, but it's always important if you know that you were diagnosed or somebody suspect that you have PCOS or you yourself, based on everything you may have heard so far on my podcast about PCOS, seek medical attention. It doesn't doesn't have to be me. It can be anybody else, any other medical uh, professional. It can be any other doctor. Seek advice, all right? Seek help. Read up on PCOS. It's very interesting. 
all right um now let us talk like i mentioned the obesity with pcos um there's a very high prevalence of abdominal fat and insulin resistance with per in persons with pcos or women with pcos we find that 50 to 80 percent of women with pcos have insulin resistance and if this is not treated as i mentioned before may lead to pre-diabetes and finally full-blown diabetes and even before the age of 40. all right another important data that we found that 61 percent of overweight of women sorry that um have pcos are actually overweight or obese i will not touch back again on the psychological implications as i may have mentioned it earlier but it's very important that physicians also recognize that you need to have a lot of patients with these with these a lot of patients with these patients since anxiety and depression you can find in up to 64 percent of them so they will come a bit you know anxious a bit stressed out about the whole process so we need to be very patient something that i try my best exercise with all of my patients as it relates to any chronic disease now another important uh, element that one may want to ask as it relates to pcos is what are the risk factors or how may i prevent pcos now PCOS has a genetic footing. We have found that sisters, we have found mothers or grandmothers, mothers and grandchildren being affected, sorry, being affected with PCOS and they're being affected as at a higher rate than persons who don't have any family history of PCOS. Hence the reason why we ever so often try to relate it or try to look for it in offsprings of persons who may have been diagnosed with PCOS. Now, it's very important as it relates to the diet. This data is not yet concrete. We, we have not really proven exactly the relation, but we have found that food, any amount of food, that expose an excess amount of sugar to the bloodstream, as in if you use too much of sweet food or food that is high in carbohydrates or starch, that has shown to increase the risk of you actually um, having PCOS or actually having a debut of PCOS. Lifestyle. Lifestyle is very important. This is something that I always try first to speak to my patients about um, about many doctors just say to a patient you know what you need to lose weight you need to eat right I understand that but many persons do not understand what a doctor may mean when he says man you need to eat right a doctor telling you need to eat right it mean just that you just avoid chicken skin or you they are many diet plans again i have created one specially for guyana actually i'm working on the second one right now i'm polishing off the first one and I'm, i already have started on the second one for persons who are suffering with pcos um 
I will be sharing this very soon with most of my patients. But in the meantime, if you guys wish to seek a diet plan, you can go online and look at the DASH diet. You can look at the Mediterranean diet. All of these diets are specific also for PCOS. They help. But the main objective of PCOS is basically to reduce the amount of carbs that you consume, the amount of sugar or processed or refined sugar that you consume. It's very important that you do that. In addition to that, you need to exercise. It's very important that you exercise. Exercise and diet in itself has shown great results in terms of making persons who have not been seeing their menstrual cycle for months start to see the menstrual cycle again. A mild weight loss of 5 to 10 kgs. I know it sounds a lot to a lot of persons, but there are treatment out there. There are medical treatment for obesity. There are surgical treatment for obesity. And generally, after a moderate weight loss, most persons see very much very um, great improvement in terms of um, their sugar level, hypertension. Everything seems to normalize. Even it betters their possibility of fertility. Simple exercise and dieting. So it's very important that we try not to, um, you know, um, not to overeat these processed sweet food and try to avoid excess amount of carbohydrates or starch all right women also i advise them to try and limit a lot of these inflammatory food such as um, dairy products food with gluten um like i mentioned already the potatoes the bread the sugary desserts try to avoid them as much as possible all right i'm not telling you to limit yourself completely because we're humans i'm not going to put you down that road but try your best to limit yourself whenever necessary and as time goes by once you see the improvement in terms of your whole body the health of your body you yourself will try to limit um, the ingestion of most of these um, sugar rich food now um some persons may have mentioned that their environmental exposure risk but their data or research lacking here um so we will not mention that too much but there are research going on right now to confirm if prenatal and postnatal exposure of certain chemicals can actually trigger pcos in persons as in the use of some plastic bottles or containers lying in some of the metal cans that we use or detergents or, you know, cosmetics and pesticides. But data, the data is not, it's not concrete as yet, so I will not be mentioning that right now. Now, treatment. This is one of the main problems. We need to understand, first of all, that there is no cure for PCOS. As I may have mentioned initially, that in my clinic, I help my patients to stop suffering from PCOS and help them to start living with it. Now, when a patient comes to me, and this, what I'm about to say, may help a lot of primary physicians also, 
and a lot of uh, persons who try to manage or who manage PCOS always go down this line. This is what I ask my patient. What is your target currently at this present time? What are you looking for? Are you looking to get pregnant? As in fertility is your main priority right now. You're looking to lose weight. You're looking to get rid of the excess body weight. Tell me what is your objective. You're looking to get your regular cycle, your regular period again. Tell me what it is. And based on what is your priority at that point in time, that is how I basically select how I manage my patients. And this is very important because PCOS, the treatment of it, is individualized. And this is very important because I had patients who, because a doctor prescribed a certain medication for this patient, for her friend, she decided because someone told her she had PCOS to start using the same medication and she actually ended up causing more harm to herself. Let me make a simple example of one of the medication that we must proceed with a lot of caution when using. These are the combined oral contraceptives. Not everyone is a candidate for that. All right? There are guidelines as in to who should use combined oral contraceptive. And just to mention a few quickly, the age of the patient. If the patient is over the age of 35, they are at risk while using combined oral contraceptive. If that person has any first-line family member with um, endometrial cancer or breast cancer, they are at risk when using that. If they have any coagulopathy or any bleeding disorder, coagulation problem in terms of um, their blood, they are at risk. If they smoke, they are at risk while, um, if they use combined oral contraceptive. And that is only just one of the medication used for the treatment of the clinical manifestation of PCOS. So it's very important that you get to a doctor that basically has the time to correct, first of all, correctly diagnose you by recognizing the signs and symptoms, doing a proper ultrasound, and afterwards, management. Your management is not just one clinical visit. You visit now and next three months. You need to have contact with your doctor. You need to have a frequent follow-up. You need to ask questions. You need to write down any change you see in your body. And when you go to the doctor, tell the doctor, Doctor, I need to get pregnant now. I was diagnosed with PCOS. I need to get pregnant now. Our doctor was diagnosed with PCOS. I need to lose this weight. Or our doctor, I need to regulate my period. Or doctor, I need to get this, this beard off of my face or this excess hair off my chest. It's affecting me. It's mentally, it's affecting me. Do that. And with that, I can guarantee you that you will learn how to basically live with PCOS until we can find a cure for this horrible syndrome and with that i come to the end of my podcast today i wish you guys a happy um, pcos awareness month and i do hope that the information that i shared with you guys was more or less helpful bye for now dr caleb mcloggan here again you can visit my page dr caleb mcloggan 
endocrinologist on Facebook. You can visit my page also on Instagram, Dr. Caleb McLaughlin. You can visit me on YouTube, Dr. Caleb McLaughlin Endocrinologist. You can also visit me on Twitter, Dr. Caleb MC Cloggin. All right. So do have a great day and continue to follow my podcast every week. Bye for now.